The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. We jump into a new series today called Home for Christmas. And um, if you got a Bible with you, you can go to Luke chapter 2. Sorry, Luke chapter, yeah, Luke chapter 2. Um, if you got a smartphone with a Bible app, uh, you can go ahead and go there. Of course, it will be on screen. Um, I used to say that my favorite time of year was May through August because I love summer and I love when the sun sets, you know, later at night and, and you have those evenings and, the, you know, roasting marshmallows and enjoying the outdoors. And I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I would probably say that my favorite time of year is August through December. And, and that's in part because you still enjoy the Christmas season, or you still enjoy the summer season, but then the leaves change and it gets cooler and, and of course football comes around, but also you have the holidays, you have Thanksgiving and you have Christmas and you have moments to gather. And so there is something in me, and maybe you feel this way about a certain time of year, but there is something in me that anticipates that time of year coming. And, um, and so right now I think of like, man, we just had Thanksgiving and again, a great gathering. In fact, first time my dad has joined us in as long as I can remember for Thanksgiving. And that was really, really cool. Um, so, you know, I anticipate that, but, but today, of course, it's December 1st and, and I anticipate what's coming for Christmas. But I want to talk today about anticipation because for many of us, we have moments of anticipation. Maybe it's the you know, anticipation of vacation that you know is coming, and at some point you're going to get on a plane, you're going to travel somewhere and get away from whatever and just enjoy vacation. Or, or maybe it is the holidays, or maybe it's a party, or maybe something as simple as a date night. I always anticipate when I know, hey, this weekend we're going to go out on a date together, and I anticipate that. The closing on the purchase of a home or the birth of a new baby or, or grandchild um, are moments of anticipation. And... Um, Today, I want to talk about, as we jump into Home for Christmas, I want to talk about, I want all of us to consider this word, anticipation. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read, and then we'll continue through the message. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they 
uh, when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father, today, as we jump into this series, is my prayer that we're considering how are we anticipating this season? What is it that we're looking forward to? And how would you challenge us through the work of your spirit as we look at this text today? Open every one of our hearts to what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As we jump into this text, Luke chapter 2, it starts out with, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. And there was a census of the whole Roman world, and all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph have to go somewhere. Now, at eight and a half months pregnant, this is not good news. Later on, they're going to say, I bring you good news of great joy. But at this moment, for Mary and Joseph, this is not good news. They have to travel 70 miles. And we're not talking I-5, air conditioning, you know, kicked back in some sort of recliner in a vehicle. We're talking about on an animal. 70 miles on an animal. It says, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married, and was expecting a child. They didn't have a choice because when the census was called by, by the emperor, by, by Caesar, they had to go. And it was anybody from any town that they weren't originally from would have to go to their town to register. People are traveling all over the place dealing with this census. It just happens to be that she's eight and a half months pregnant. And it makes me think of the words that Paul penned when he said this, do everything without grumbling or complaining. I don't know if Paul had in mind, well, if Mary and Joseph could do it, everyone else should be too. But it makes me think of like, was he possibly maybe thinking about having to ride 70 miles on an animal eight and a half months pregnant? Because that's misery. It reframes the things that stress you out. It reframes the things that send you over the edge. Like ever had to ride on a donkey 70 miles, eight and a half months pregnant? Nope, none of us. And so honestly, I think of the words of Paul and go, wow, man, because we don't have anything in here that, that Mary and Joseph are grumbling at each other, are griping, are complaining, are, are bagging on Caesar Augustus or anything. I'm thinking they wrote like Caesar got run over by a reindeer or so, I don't know, like, come on, I'd be like angry. I know this. They did not write, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Guarantee that was not, it's the most wonderful time. You know, like, no, 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 definitely not. And it says this, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped, him in she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them or there was no room at the inn. You and I that are relatively familiar with the Christmas story breeze right through this. But if you had never heard this before and you had heard that some lady had a baby in a feed trough in a cave where there was animals, you'd be like, what is wrong with them? This is a crazy moment. Now, I have a wife that I love dearly who's also a germaphobe. She would have been telling me, like, tie my legs together. I'm not having this baby in here, okay? And I realize that that's TMI, and I'll probably sleep on the couch tonight, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. She had a baby in a feed trough in a cave with animals. And yet, 
Once again, in the story, we have nothing about any grumbling or complaining. And then, oddly, the story just shifts right to the next conversation. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, this is amazing, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Another translation says they were sore afraid. Absolutely. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Of great joy. Say great joy. For all the people today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The language that this angel is using harkens back to the Old Testament prophets who were writing about a future coming Messiah. And so these words are the same words, which means at the core, this is the good news. What do I mean by that? For some of you that are maybe young in the faith and aren't quite wrapping your head around this, what I mean is this, when they say good news, they mean capital G, good, capital N, news. Meaning this savior is the one that would go to the cross and die for all the sins of mankind, including yours and mine. That is really, really, really good news. The thing that was tough though, is that the nation of Israel was waiting for a Messiah was waiting for the Christ to come. The problem is they were waiting for the conquering king. They were waiting for a Messiah that would free them from Roman occupation, that would liberate them from not being their own identity as a nation. And so they're waiting for a Messiah on a whole nother level. So they didn't recognize him when he came. And that's a whole nother message for another day. The angel angel appears to the shepherds and says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. If you got a Bible and a pen, and yes, it's okay to do this, circle those words, good news. It's in my Bible, it's circled. Good news of great joy for all the people. Which people? Not just the people in Jesus' day. Not just the people when the shepherds were here. For all the people, including you and including me. This will be a sign to you You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then it says this, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God. This is the only time that we have that isn't future prophetic. Stay with me. This is the only time that we have in scripture where we have this visitation, this visible visitation of heaven on earth like this, where angels literally appear and make this declaration to the shepherds. And what they say is glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want you to stop and think about the multiple words I've just mentioned. And I want you to think about the anticipation from December 1st today all the way to Christmas Day and beyond. What does this season look like for you? And I want you to think about, does it include good news like this? Is there a sense of a great deep-seated joy from the Lord? Are you focused on appreciating the words, a Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord? Is there a sense of glory to God in the highest heaven? Is there a sense of peace, it says, to those on whom his favor rests? Do those words 
get displayed in your gatherings? Do those phrases, are those on display December 1st and 2nd and 3rd and 4th? Or just like so many of us, and I'm as guilty as anybody, so I'm not pointing the finger at you, but, but just like any of us, Christmas becomes about, well, I got lists of presents I've got to buy, and I got to go online on this day because there's a deal at this store, and I got to be over here on Black Friday to get this deal, and I got to make sure my kid gets this and this because if they don't, they're going to be mad, and boy, what am I going to do for my wife, and where are we going to gather, and we got this Christmas with this family, and this Christmas with this family, but they have to work, so we have to bump this Christmas to that day, and I'm supposed to bring these things, and they're supposed to bring that, and are we all coordinating? and are we all showing up and who's flying into town and who's sleeping wherever? Because in so many ways, the majority of our Christmas is much more about those things than the anticipation of a child that meant the redemption of the world, which is a pretty big deal. And I'm not saying the idea of shopping for gifts is a terrible thing. Or that family gatherings and people flying in and people coordinating when Christmas is going to be depending on family. It is what it is. And those are great things in their place. But my question goes back to, what is it that you and I are anticipating this Christmas? When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. In their joy of understanding that what the angels had shown them and what they saw as proof and confirmation of this baby in a feed trough, they were like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And for you and I, as the message gets old, and for you and I, as year after year after year wears on, and we hear the same messages about Caesar Augustus issued a decree, and the shepherds were out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks, and Mary and Joseph and Gabriel and all this stuff goes on, it just becomes another Christmas of more information that doesn't necessarily change anything for any of us. These guys couldn't help but go, you don't understand what just happened to us. And it's so fun to hear about individuals within our own church that have given their lives to faith in Christ, taken the step of getting baptized, and they invite their families. They invite people they care about, and they're sharing the transformation that's happening, and not in a weird, pushy, stand-on-a-soapbox way, but in a way that is, look, I've been changed, and this is amazing. Look at what's happened to me. I love verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I think about Mary, and and this wasn't the first time. Keep in mind, in the Christmas story, she was visited by Gabriel before she was pregnant. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor. Well, what kind of favor? Well, you're going to have a baby. I haven't done anything. And then this whole dialogue and this amazing, again, prophetic promise that God fulfilled in these moments. And so Mary is remembering that dialogue and now remembering that there's these shepherds with this story of, of heaven opening and, and, and they knew and what, like, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I, I love that Luke includes that sentence. 
Because to me, and maybe it's a weird word, to say, it's such a sweet thing to think about like as the mom. She's pondering this stuff. What is this all about? What is happening? What? God's fulfilling something. Then it says, shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This isn't new news in this room, and and some of you might go, why did I even come for this? I mean, why did I show up to hear this simple sentence? But the anchor to this series for part one is simply this, a Christmas home anticipates Christ. Here's the thing, way overly simple. As my biology teacher at Marysville Pilchuck would have said, well, duh. Like, it's obvious, but, but is it, though? Is it that obvious? Hey, listen, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You're like, oh, here he goes. Okay, so you start a sentence with that, it's bad news. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do feel troubled by what I hear on the radio more and more during Christmas time. I, I, I listen to stations and as I'm driving and stuff, and, and um, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> and it had something to do with her eggnog. And I don't know if anyone spiked it or what the story is there, but... It's deeply concerning that grandma got run over. And I, I hope she's going to be okay. There's a song called Santa Baby. And there's people in this room that are like, you know, I could go for some duplex and checks. And that's, that's great for you. There, there's a song called Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. You've heard it, I've heard it, and The problem I have is when I think about the trees that I've set up in my home in the history of my life of 44 years now, it's always usually in a corner up against the wall, and it bothers me that I can't rock around it. I've got to like, you you know, it's like U-turn because it's against the wall. And so it's like, well, is that accurate? I mean, is there a lot of people that put it in the middle of a room? And then, of course, there's some of the 80s, just amazing Christmas songs of the 80s. Like last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And how dare this person the very next day gave it back? Like that, what kind of hard-hearted person? Like, hey, Merry Christmas, but it's over, you know? And I don't, again, I don't know the story. And maybe what it was, was it was a first date and the guy got overly committed right away and she got scared away because that happens. I get it. But still, the song kind of bothers me. Um, the, the Beach Boys writing any Christmas song at all. To me, seems it just is suspect, right? Because like, is it like a palm tree with lights, and you know, pretty soon some of you are thinking a Corona commercial. But we're gonna keep going. So, but is it Run Run Rudolph? Which one is the Beach Boys? Little Saint Nick. Is there a worse song? Is there? <laughs> then I'm not gonna sing it. But way up north, where the air gets cold, anyway. The most, the highest selling Christmas album of all time. Do you know what it is? You know what it is. It's not Bing Crosby. Yes, Mariah Carey Christmas. And what's the big hit? All I want for Christmas is you. Which if I'm thinking about my wife, that's an amazing song. If she's singing that to me, I feel incredible. But, but again, I go through and, and somebody in the lobby reminded me, hey, you should mention uh, Hippopotamus. 
Because you're right. They do get worse than the Beach Boys. They get hippopotamus. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Like, what? <laughs> do you have any idea what the leash would cost to have a hippopotamus, let alone? It's just, it's not practical. You're like, Where, why are you doing this? Here's why. I say this carefully. Almost zero about Christ. And again, like I said, I'm not here to be a conspiracy theorist about it, but here's what I, I, I sort of see or I sense. There's a slow edging out of the meaning of Christmas. And, and this is going to sound weird coming from a pastor, but in some ways I understand when people, are, oh, I'm not a church person or I'm not a religious person or uh, the Jesus thing, I'm just not sure. Whatever. And so I, I want to celebrate, but it, I, it's not going to be about that for me because that's not my jam. And so, yeah, it becomes about snowmen named Parson Brown and Rudolph and all these other things. Fine, really odd, but fine. But, but for you and me, and like I said, I'm bringing this up at the opening of this series because what happens is this. We end up giving a quick thought or two randomly about Jesus and hours and days and weeks about all the other things. Just like we anticipate our home filled with traditions like meals and gifts and decorations, do we anticipate the arrival of Christ at Christmas? How do we create an anticipation for Christ in our homes? What kind of home are you creating? And again, even as my wife and I are walking through some, some thoughts here, she mentions to me this, this question, which I love. How much of your thoughts, of your activities, of your words and Christmas traditions reflect an anticipation of Christ? I want to get really, really practical as, as we wrap this up, but I want there to be in all of us this sense of what does it look like for me to anticipate Christ this Christmas? Because for you and I that would say we're followers of Christ, and that's many of us in the room, maybe most of us, it is something different than Rudolph. And I'm not anti-singing silly songs and having fun driving down the road with my kids, Rudolph, whatever, but I very much want to make sure and like I said, I can be as guilty of it as anyone else. I want to make sure that Jesus is at the center of my celebration. And I can give gifts and we can gather and we will and we'll eat all kinds of food and there'll be all kinds of silliness and fun. But it is also pretty deeply meaningful when you reflect on what God has done through Christ so that you and I can have joy at all, so that you and I can have purpose at all, so that you and I can have life and forgiveness and all that he's done for us at all. Amen? So how do we anticipate Christ? Let me give you a few practical ways, and, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to maybe write some of these down. The first one I'll mention, and this one always feels a little self-serving because I'm up here and I'm the pastor or whatever, but, but here, here's one, and you're doing it today, but attending Grove on Sundays to gather and be challenged together. I think that's a healthy way to, to, anticip, to, to anticipate Christ. Another one, um, like I said, I'm not against silly songs like a hippopotamus for Christmas or tender Tennessee Christmas or Christmas in the Northwest, which is horrible. Anyway, um, 
Now, there's all kinds of fun songs, but what would it look like for you to maybe intentionally create a playlist or, or go to Spotify and, and, and type one in or whatever that, that includes those songs that center us on what Christ has done? And there are tons of them. I'm actually amazed, and again, I just rip on it, but I'm actually amazed on some of those stations. It's like they have their 15 Christmas songs just on a loop all for months, like two months. There's 15 songs all over again. Here's Beach Boys again. There we go. You know, anyway, okay, get off my high horse and back to my notes. Um, playing, playing the right songs. Um, blessing someone outside of your family during Christmas. Part of our understanding of Christmas really ought to be, and if you've never looked at it that way, this way, that's okay, but part of our understanding of Christmas really ought to be realizing that because God gave us the best gift that we could never give ourselves, then we could be generous and give gifts towards others. That's really at the center of why we even do gifts at all. And you can go back to the story of Santa, which you can look up on your own time and another story for another day, but, but even that story of St. Nick, which is a great name, but anyway... Um, <laughs> story of St. Nick, it, it actually has a, a deeper meaning to it if you look it up. Um, blessing someone outside of your family, um, maybe, and again, as we do the gift, we call it the gift at the church you hear our announcement, and we, we do uh, single parent families and kids in, in, in the church, all of them we can find, and help them. And then we work with the uh, Marysville Food Bank and the city of Marysville, the police, with the Marysville Toy Store, and try to help every family that we can find um, to get Christmas that's maybe struggling this year. But aside from what we do, maybe you know of a family that lives a couple of doors down. Maybe you have a friend who's fallen on some rough times and you became aware of it. And it's always meaningful for us as we gather our own kids and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's not going to get a great Christmas and we're just trying to think about what can we do? Or even for Thanksgiving and talking about like the food bank and what can we do? What does it look like? And rallying together and seeing them pony up some of their own money they've been saving in piggy banks or their wallets or whatever and going, oh, I, I could do this. You know, it's meaningful. But we give because God gives generously to us like that. Um, a couple of other ones. Uh, gratitude cards. Something that we picked up a couple years ago and my wife uh, started this somehow. Maybe she talked to somebody. But uh, we have cards of everybody that's at our Christmas, just little cards with their name on them. So like my name on, on like 10 cards and they get handed around to everybody but me and people write on their sentences about me and I write about, and for everybody there and, and we put them in stacks on the table um, at Christmas at their place setting and they can read through what everybody's written about them. As long as it's good, let's be careful here. So, hey, you're having a bad hair day and still love you. You know, not that, but um, so just simple things like that. Practical ones that are fun, cookie nights and movie nights are great because time together matters. Let's be honest about that. Time together matters, and those are some great ways to, to hang out. Um, the final one I want to mention, and this is super practical, but um, th this comes up because today is December 1st. We don't talk a lot about Advent necessarily. In, in certain Christian traditions, they talk a lot more about Advent, but Advent simply means coming or arrival. And, and what it is is a season of Advent. So you hear like Advent calendars and December 1, and you think it's chocolates and every day. It's not that. Um, but Advent is literally the season of preparation for Christmas Day. And what it is is meant to spiritually bring preparation to your heart as you navigate December 1 and 2 and 3 and four, and I bring it up because um, we always encourage you to read the scriptures, and we create a plan every year. Or we jump into a plan every year from YouVersion. It's a Bible app. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, I want to encourage you to download it. Um, I have it, a bunch of us in here have it. But when you go to the YouVersion app, you can click on plans, 
and then you can search. And I want you to, to click on it and search for a plan that's called Carol's, a Christmas, a, a Christmas devotional. We have that on the screen, Evan. Um, yeah, so that's the logo you'll see when you look it up. Carol's, it's a Christmas devotional. What it is, is you can subscribe to it, and every day you can read a couple of scripture verses and some devotional thoughts every single day, December 1, 2, 3, all the way through 24. And I would encourage you, Again, trying to get super practical. Encourage you, if, if you're kind of living by yourself, that's fine. You read it by yourself. Married, bring your spouse into it. Kids, bring the family into it. But this is an everyday thing, if you can. Um, you can do it here and there, but every day. But like today's, I'll just read today's. Um, December 1st, joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World in 1719. Since then, every Christmas season, carolers cast those words into the air like a lifeline out into the ocean of humanity. And every fish surely finds something inviting worth nibbling. The thrill of hope within the message spools out to touch a weary world with anticipation of tasting something truly good. Joy came to the world because God, our great creator, loved his creation so much that he sent his son to reveal his story so that over time, his character and ultimate goodwill toward mankind would be recognized. The impact on earth of Christ's birth will never diminish despite the enemy's attempts to stop it. John 21, 25 says that the world would not be able to contain the books that could be written about what the Lord did while on this earth. Since then, many more testimonies of his transforming love have been and will be written. Nehemiah 8 records that Nehemiah, the leaders, and the people celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with great joy after sharing God's word. This season, we can rejoice too. We rejoice at the thought of the Savior's birth, his purpose, and his inheritance. And at the end of every day, there's a question or two. This Today's is, what will you rejoice about during this Christmas season. Advent. And again, you can go on, get the Uversion app on your phone, whatever, it doesn't have to be an iPhone, Android, whatever, um, and subscribe to that. Just one more way to put handles on a message with that simple question. How do you create anticipation for Christ in your home? Father, today, it's going to be a great season, and I know that there are some of us that have certain memories around this time that we begin to dread, and we begin to fear, and we feel anxiety, and I pray for those individuals that, God, it is hard, and yet my prayer is that they would push through the emotion and the dread with that sense of your spirit at work in them, that, God, you're continuing to bring a healing. You're continuing to do a work in the human heart, Father, and I pray for them especially to know that you are near to them. I also pray, God, for many of us that maybe we're already anticipating with this idea of meals and family and travel and stuff, and those are fine. But how much do we anticipate Christ? How much does our heart turn towards heaven? How much do we stop and pray and give thanks for what you've done this season? That, God, we would have this sense in us. Yes, we know the Christmas story. Many of us in this room have heard it many, many, many times. God, I pray for all of us. Hey, as we move towards December 25th, we're not going to get into a debate on that was the day Jesus was born or not. It's not even about that as much as it's about anticipating what God has done through Christ and the story we have in the Gospels of that birth and how much it matters to us. Thank you that you are the reason for the season. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. 
If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.